0: welcome to mini episode 61 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do. Just to let you know, the uh, UFOs, the glow-in-the-dark ones, are now in stock in our shop. I mean, they will be this week. I'm not sure when this comes out if they'll actually be on sale yet. But keep an eye this week. They're glow-in-the-dark, they're very cute, and I love them. And also, the last story from today's episode is from the 28th of May, 2020. And I have two Seriously spooky listener stories for you today. Are you ready? Nope. And story number one comes from Theresa. In 2012, my husband and I bought an old farmhouse at the edge of a small central Minnesota town. Out the front door was a normal neighborhood street. Out the back, our property swept down to a wetland that held a pond where swans would nest in the summer. It was idyllic though the house itself was a bit worse for wear with an interior that hadn't been updated since 1970 and patches of falling plaster from old water damage. We found out that the family that had lived in the house before us were Catholic and had raised 11 children there. Sadly, one of their daughters had a heart condition and had passed away as a teenager. We patched and painted enough to move in and settled in with our two-year-old son in the old boy's room and our four-year-old daughter in the old girl's room. We installed a sturdy gate at the head of the stairs, and then started the process of helping our two-year-old go to sleep in his own bedroom. We had all lived in a one-bedroom apartment prior to this, so it was all very new to him. At night, we took everyone in, and after an hour of working the two-year-old to sleep, my husband and I would go to the living room to wind down with a grown-up show. Every few nights, our son would wake up and run down the hallway to stand at the gate, sometimes crying. Frankly, as two exhausted parents, we'd stare at each other until one of us gave in to go for round two of bedtime. As we settled in, it became routine to hear the thump of our impossibly heavy two-year-old's footsteps running down the hallway. One night, I drew the short straw and got up to try tucking him back in again. "'I rounded the corner and started up the stairs. "'We left the top landing light on "'so it wasn't like I was ascending into darkness. "'I can be a bit of a scaredy-cat myself "'and the thought of being taken by surprise by a child "'in the dark was too much for me. "'In fact, as I walked up the stairs "'I would always look through the railing slits "'to the landing behind me "'to ensure that if there was anything creepy there "'I would nope the hell out. "'I knew where the ladders were "'so I could rescue my children from the outside.' I had plans upon plans. The stair gate was solid, so I couldn't see through it, but my son would usually be peeking through the hallway railing slats. He wasn't peeking at me. I opened the gate, and he wasn't there. I rounded down the hallway to his bedroom. His door was wide open, and when I stepped into the room, I found him sleeping soundly, like toddler soundly, where they're already a little sleep-sweaty and you can lift their arm and drop it and the kid doesn't even flinch. I didn't think much of it and told my husband that I had found our son sleeping. We both shrugged it off as weird but counted it as a win and went on with our evening. But then it happened again. And again. And finally we realised that about half the time we thought we heard him run down the hallway, we found him... And his sister both sleeping soundly eventually we started to hear it even when all four of us were downstairs we did have a dog but he never went upstairs it was always so short-lived and puzzling that we didn't have time to get scared there were also nights when my son would come to crawl into bed with me because he was scared i eventually made a deal with him that he could build a nest of blankets next to my side of the bed and sleep there because he was taking years off my life by waking me suddenly in the night with his glowing halo of blonde hair reflecting the moonlight. Yes, drop kicking children is totally a natural urge, but when you raise two children into adolescence and you haven't actually kicked either, that's when you know you're at least an okay parent. I can recall on at least three occasions when I heard my son's elephant patter down the hallway, then felt him sit at the foot of my bed. I'd be waiting for him to whisper to me or poke at me but when nothing happened I would find a clearly superhuman reserve of bravery and I'd look at the foot of my bed and no one would be there. On these occasions I didn't check to confirm he was still in bed because I was not getting out of bed. My bravery had been used up in just opening my eyes. The thing is, the pattering feet never really scared me. And while having something sit on my bed should have elicited a much stronger reaction from me, it didn't. I was wigged out, but whatever that was, it didn't feel malevolent or mean. I'm an incredibly light sleeper, so I was fully awake by the time the footsteps reached my room. And I've had sleep paralysis and exploding head syndrome, so I know what that's like. It definitely wasn't either of those. The next summer, we finally met our neighbours. Minnesotans like to hibernate through the winter months. And that's when we learned about another tragedy connected to our home. Back in the late 60s or early 70s, a bunch of neighbourhood kids had been playing in the street together. A car came up past the hill's blind spot going too fast and struck a three-year-old little boy, killing him. My heart broke to pieces hearing this. I wasn't sure if that was the source of the footsteps, but I certainly didn't count it out either. I looked through the newspaper archives until I found the story about the boy who had been killed and one day when my husband was at work and my children were playing next door I sat down the north end of the hallway which would have been within roughly 20 or 30 feet of where the little guy perished and I spoke with him. I told him I loved children and if he needed comforting I was happy to help him but that he'd probably be even happier and more comforted if he was to move on. I made sure to also express that if there was in fact a demon pretending to be a young child they were not welcome in my home and could go rot in hell because it's wise to cover all bases. The thumping and the sitting on the bed didn't really change much over the five years we lived there and I often wonder if it's still happening to the new owners. There are other stories about this property but those can wait. I promised Dan a wholesome story so here's the friendly chaser to my ghost child account. My husband and I perform with a stage show at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival. Our look is inspired by the Roma and we have Vardos, wagons, that we use for storing our children and their sitters while we're on stage. There are a lot of children in our dance troupe. This story takes place when our firstborn was nine months old. We were camping overnight on weekends at the festival grounds to make it easier to get to our stage on time in the morning. One weekend the temperature was unseasonably cold overnight. It dipped down into the 40s in early September and we didn't have our cold weather blankets with us yet. Even though we weren't allowed to sleep on site we decided that keeping our baby warm in the wagon that had an electric heater was better than trying to stay warm in the tent. We were quiet and kept the lights off so the security folks wouldn't see us when they did our rounds and we went right to bed. Again, I'm a very light sleeper, so I was up, off and on all night to check on the baby and listen to the security teams chatting as they walked by our area. I knew what the normal sounds were after a while. At around 3am I woke again and checked the baby, and that's when I heard faint music coming from outside the wagon. I looked out the window. The moon was up and the forest around the wagon was glowing silver. My husband stirred, paused for a moment and then asked, Do you hear that? We both sat still and listened. It was a very gentle, lilting tune but hard to describe. I don't think at the time I could even have captured it enough to whistle it, but it was clear and it was beautiful. We opened the top half of the wagon door to get a better listen and stood there for a minute or two as the music seemed to emanate from all around us. We both had a very distinct feeling that we were not to exit the wagon. Not because of any malice, but because we weren't welcome. I also had this deep feeling that the music was being played for the baby and not necessarily for us. We respectfully closed the door and went back to sleep. I love to believe in magic, but can also be a bit of a scully. So I did think this one through very hard. And to this day, Annie... But what if it was? Scenarios don't make sense. Our stage is at a corner of the festival that butts up against a nature preserve and wetland. So music coming from that part of the woods doesn't have a logical source at 3am on a night when it's in the 40s. I'm just going to believe that Magic in the Woods was playing a gentle tune to help our baby to sleep through the night.
1: I also am going to take that the music was playing... To soothe the baby so that the baby would sleep nicely through the night. Not to soothe the baby so whatever was playing the music could then steal the baby. Or not to play music for a festival of demons that you weren't welcome to. I too am going to settle on the fact that it was playing music to lull your baby to sleep. Because that's nice.
0: I will say that I've been doing a lot of research this week about fairy lore for the upcoming main episode. And one of the overriding stories was people like leaving their house in the middle of the night to go to work or like when it was still dark to go to work. And seeing empty fields or forests or bog land just completely illuminated, like lit, like floodlights lit, which kind of wasn't possible. And them attributing it to fairies and fairies having some sort of festival or fairies having some sort of celebration and promptly ignoring it and pretending that it never happened just in case.
1: Okay, so this is a fairy story then, isn't it? This well, is a story about fairies.
0: That's what I felt like when I when mm. I heard the, the nice part of the story, the second part. And you know what fairies like to do with babies? Steal them. So was it a nice story? No. Did you have a near miss? Yes.
1: I'm still taking it as a nice story because the first story is really creepy because there was a child ghost and I don't like child ghosts. And it was just a child ghost who was doing a lot of running around and a lot of trickery and sitting on your bed at night. That must be well terrifying to feel something sit on your bed and then sit up and realise it's not there. I too, Teresa, would not be going out to check Got my kids.
0: <laughs> Reading this story and so many references to just surviving as a parent is one of the most noble things that you can do to just survive as a parent. So, you know, there's never any judgment in this camp from people who are like, these are the things that I need to do to just survive having children because it's bloody hard. And that's from two people who don't, categorically don't have children, but know a lot of people who do. And it's hard work. And having then a ghost thrown into the middle of that makes it even harder, I think.
1: I also like that you took the time to try and sit down with a ghost and get him to pass on, but also hedged your bets by challenging a demon just in case and then it's still carried on. (laughs) That's really frustrating for you.
0: I mean like I love that that is the modern thing it's like if it's a child ghost it is either a child ghost or it's a demon pretending to be a child and uh, we're going to cover all bases on this one just in case it's a very brave thing to do and in so many of our stories we have people who say so then I said please leave me alone or I understand that you're here and I'm happy for you to be here as long as you don't annoy me and my family no none of that I'd be getting full on exorcism vibes.
2: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time.
0: Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And story number two comes from Jen. Growing up, my mother was emphatic that we did not play with Ouija boards. And rightly so. However, one night when I was helping my older cousin babysit, she brought hers out. I didn't want any part of it, and before she brought my hands over the board, the hair on my body stood on end. I was ten at that time, and life after that for me has been super creepy. I've always been a bit sensitive to things. There was this ominous feeling when she brought the board out of the box, and the large black shadow that was there after it, is something that I honestly cannot even put into words. The terror I felt was indescribable. A few years later, I had just watched a creepy movie with my family. In my rebellious phase, I moved my room to the basement of the house, which may sound creepy, but it was a full apartment that my parents had previously rented out. I was fully asleep, and something woke me up out of a dead sleep. I looked over my shoulder to the corner of the room and a large, dark figure was standing there leering. I switched on the light and standing there was a man with a large, dirty travel cloak, dirty, muddy boots, greasy, long, lanky hair and horrible teeth with black eyes. I blinked and he was gone. I must have screamed because my mother came rushing into my room and I ended up sleeping with the lights on. I came to find out that my sister had an imaginary friend named Shadow, and Shadow was not nice and would tell her awful things and threaten her. When I explained to her about the creeper, she freaked out and started babbling about Shadow. Apparently she and I both had been having issues with the same dark figure. Around this time, my family had gone on a camping trip in northern Maine. We went to Fort Knox around sunset. Brilliant planning on my parents' part, I know. Now remember, I am more than a little sensitive to the paranormal. We walked in one of the doors to enter the fort itself after walking around the grounds. We took a left down a dark corridor that went underground. On the left side of the tunnel it was completely dark, with off-shooting hallways that led to parts unknown. On the right side of the corridor were windows, openings to the courtyard of the fortress. There were no lights or electricity in the fort. There we were, walking down this tunnel that was not only leading further into the fort, but deeper underground. Before we got a few feet away from the door, I told my family, ''Something isn't right, I don't want to do this.'' To which they told me to stop being a baby and keep walking. I walked with the group, but as I was walking my legs became heavier and heavier, Have you ever had that feeling that you're just being watched or stared at? I refused to look towards the left of the corridor because I knew there was something or someone else there with us. By the third corridor we had passed, I was shaking so hard and I could barely move. We got past the fourth corridor and I couldn't speak. We reached the fifth and I couldn't move, couldn't speak, closed my eyes and a rush of cold air surrounded me. My mom and my aunt had to carry or drag me past the next three corridors to the end of the tunnel and exit into the courtyard. I don't remember much of what happened, but I refused to face or even look towards those tunnels. I stayed in the rapidly setting sunlight and quickly exited the fort with my dad and my younger siblings. My mom and her brother had ventured to the holding cells and heard chains clanking and scraping noises. We reached the exit, only to find out that we had gone in the wrong door. We entered through the exit and exited through the entrance, and the entrance had a sign that read, Bring Flashlights. Fast forward to my 20s and living with my boyfriend. We rented our house from my uncle, a whopping few hundred yards away from my parents' house. I know, I moved really far. We had just got our cat and we adjusted to having a pet. One night, in the middle of the night, we woke up to the cabinets in the kitchen banging. I got up in a huff thinking the stupid cat had gotten locked in one of the cabinets. I threw on the hallway light and the kitchen light and found that most of the cabinets and drawers in the kitchen were open in some fashion. My then boyfriend, now husband, called down the hallway. Jen, the cat is in here sleeping on the bed and has been the whole time. By then I had checked that all the doors and windows were locked to the house, so I turned the lights off, ran down the hallway and pulled the blankets over my head, terrified. If I were in the kitchen the bedroom light would come on, if I were in the bedroom the kitchen lights would turn on. Most normal people would move, but not us, we've married and had kids since then and let me tell you hearing whispered conversations in the baby monitor is very creepy and creepier still is that they stop when you go into the room. I've woken up to my name being whispered in my ear. I believe that we've come to an understanding since. I've told whatever and whoever is there that they are to leave us alone and leave my kids alone, or I will have the house exercised. I know we aren't alone there, but it doesn't feel ominous. For my bachelorette, we did something a little bit different. My friends and family are a bit like the ants from the movie Practical Magic, midnight margaritas all day every day. So my mom, my best friend and sister rented a beach house in Plymouth for a girls weekend. It was amazing and fun. There may have been a lot of alcohol involved throughout the time there. On our second night there, they had booked a haunted tour through Plymouth. It was fun and creepy at first. And then it got scary by the end. In the first house, my aunts were cackling trying to scare people, and at first that was fun. We moved from the first room and moved towards what was the dining room of the house, and my sister went first following the guide. I was right behind her, and the door from the kitchen had unlatched and swung open and hit my sister. And that was just the beginning of the fun. The second house was much more creepy. The guide was explaining to us that a tough military guy had rented the second floor apartment but would wake up to banging and scraping only to wake up and find his dining room furniture had been dragged to the attic. The incidents for the man escalated to the point where he ended up leaving. Apparently the home had belonged to a womanising old sea captain. Previous guests had photos with the creep behind them in it. One of my friends started shaking and ended up leaving the house because the door to the attic... Yes, that door, to that attic, slowly swung open on its own. The guide shut and locked the door and we entered into the bedroom. There was a cold spot, as in one cold spot in the entire room. And this old house didn't have air conditioning. I felt someone breathe on my ear and there was no one standing behind me. I felt a brush through my hair and swatted away nothing. We moved past the hallway to see the attic door wide open again and continued walking to the kitchen and dining area. As our group entered, the guide shut the attic door and locked it again. I stood with my back against the wall, shoulder to shoulder with my friends and felt someone run their finger down the side of my ear and then yank on my hair. The unseen hand pulled the hair beside my forehead I proceeded to pull up my hood and tie it. From there, we continued walking around town. We got to the outdoor memorial for the Plymouth settlers who had died during their first winter. It was eerie and ominous. You could definitely feel that you were not alone. Down the narrow streets, we followed this guide with our lanterns. We arrived at the old jail and courthouse, turned museum. He was telling us that there was a ship that had gotten stuck in the harbour in winter, and most of the crew had died as the ship went down. They brought the bodies back to the courthouse to hold for family members to identify and collect them. In the basement was the temporary morgue for these men. It is now a public restroom, and lots of activity takes place there. As we were standing in the middle of the square looking around, the vibe definitely changed. We glanced around at the old churches around us with our backs towards the old courthouse. Most of the group had moved on, but my mum, my sister, and I were standing there talking, and my sister suddenly shouted out, Ouch! At the same time, my mum's camera went nuts. My sister was pinched on the arm and had marks. My mum's camera had zoomed to a setting it didn't seem to have and took a picture of a shadow behind a column of the church. And I was starting to not feel so great, but we continued, right to the cemetery. As we entered the cemetery, the guide explained that there were spiders that have webs from the trees high above down to the headstones. So he grabbed a large stick to swing over his head to clear the path. The feeling in the cemetery was just creepy. My cousin was clicking away taking photos, one of which we later found to have a creepy shadow image peeking out from the headstones. And it definitely did not look human. The guide kept leading us between the headstones in the dark without lanterns "'and I cannot even put into words how it felt. "'You would think a cemetery would be quiet, "'but it wasn't. "'There was almost this white noise "'or whispering that was buzzing around, "'at least for me. "'It was overwhelming. "'There were cold spots, "'areas where you just felt emotional "'and overwhelmingly sad. "'And then there were the spots "'that your every instinct was telling you to get away. "'One of these areas was where my cousin took her photo.' We got back to the beach house and it was an experience. Everyone drank heavily to be able to sleep. The next day we all went our separate ways but my mom and her sisters stopped by one of the local businesses that the guide had mentioned. It had once been a theatre that was turned into an antique store. In the theatre a man named Charlie had hung himself. So my mom and her sisters decided to investigate. They went through the back towards the stairs where he had reportedly hung himself. My mom said that they heard a man whisper, What are you doing here? which sent them scampering on their way. Like I said, weird stuff just seems to happen around me and my family. When we were younger, our great aunt was widowed and needed help to live on her own. She was planning on coming to live with us in the apartment in our basement. This was before I moved down there. We made it accessible for her. "'But before she could move in, she was diagnosed with stomach cancer and passed away. "'She didn't have a will. "'And we were completely unaware that this woman had been living at home, "'shopping on the shopping network and from Avon like it was going out of style. "'I'm serious, she had two houses filled and storage units filled with stuff. "'So the cleaning and the purging began. "'We could pick whatever we wanted.' I was a dramatic, world-trodden teenager that was miserable at the time and wanted nothing to do with any of it. If I could go back and kick myself, I would. I missed a prime opportunity to start my crazy hat lady collection. I refuse to retire when I'm older. I'm switching careers to a crazy hat lady with big tacky jewellery and a cane to whack people in the shins with. But I digress. My little sister, who was maybe six or seven at the time, was having the time of her life. Of all things that this child could pick, the little freak picked a clown doll from the 60s or 70s. It had a voice box that made it laugh or talk, and it worked when they put the batteries in. Clowns are just creepy. Weird stuff started happening when we got that doll in the house. My sister was oblivious to all of this and loved the little demon doll. She carried it everywhere. One night, my mom and I were in the living room watching TV and everyone else was asleep in bed. My sister's room was near the living room and she had been asleep for hours. We thought we heard something, so we paused the TV and heard the clown doll laughing. Mom and I bickered over who was going to check it out. Thanks, Mom. She got up and said the doll was not even on the bed with my sister, but rather in her pile of stuffed animals by her toy box. She sat back down and turned the volume back on. It went off again. The creepy clown doll was laughing again. She went back in and took the batteries out and then came back into the living room shaken to watch our show. And we heard the clown laughing again without any batteries in it. She went back in, even more freaked out, and ripped the voice box out and came back feeling confident that she had finally fixed it. And then we heard the laughing again, even though she was holding the voice box. My mum and I freaked out, and she ran in there with it still laughing, and threw it in my sister's closet and barricaded the closet shut. The next day she had it closed and locked in an old freezer that we were going to get rid of. However, she had second thoughts because she was afraid the creepy little fucker would find its way back and get her. She kept it locked up for years until my brother and I threw it away and didn't tell her. Three years later, she found the voice box. But I swore that we had thrown it away with the doll. My mom and I are still terrified that that clown doll will come back. So there it is. There are my experiences. We still live in our home. I have wholly watered every window and door in the house and firmly loudly said, you leave us alone and we'll leave you alone. It's been fairly quiet, but who knows? This is the time of year that things start acting up, which may or may not have something to do with the settler massacre that took place less than five miles from where we live.
1: Well, that was a lovely story to end on. A doll that doesn't stop laughing, even when you've ripped out the voice box.
0: Which begs the question, was it the doll that was laughing or was it something else in that room? Because that's what I'd be asking.
1: That makes it even creepier. Why did you ask that question?
0: I'm always asking the pertinent questions around here.
1: That story is like one of my worst nightmares. I can't even deal with that. I can't process it. It's horrific. It sounds like something out of a Chucky movie.
0: Do you know that reminds me of the beginning of Leprechaun? you know, where he's locked in that trunk and then somebody inadvertently opens it and unleashes all hell. I feel like this is like the beginning of a horror movie where somebody finds this freezer in a tip somewhere and they open it up and inside is this clown doll. Can you imagine if you did find that though? Like all chains shut or you'd shit yourself.
1: I'd be so scared if that was just what my sister chose to bring home in the first place. Without all that freaky stuff being confirmed, I'd just be like, no, don't do that. There's something else. Look, there's £100 in cash on the floor. Take that instead. Or look, I've got £20 in my wallet. Please take this instead. Leave the doll where it is, please.
0: If if that sibling was any sort of little sibling like I was, I'd be like, no, I'll keep the doll. Just out of spite. Just out of stubbornness. I'd be like, you don't want me to have the doll? I'm going to have the doll. That's going to happen. There's loads to unpack in this series of stories, really. Like, so much to unpack. So we're probably not going to hit on every point, I think, because... I don't know. I don't know how we're, we're definitely going to miss some stuff. So I apologize if we miss some stuff.
1: I don't like the um, all the cabinets being open and banging. Although that seems to be like the most common poltergeist thing, doesn't it? Because mm. there's like footage of that seems to be quite a common footage on the internet of poltergeist activity as well. There Why is, do they do that?
0: There is a really famous YouTube channel. If anyone can remember the name of it, please message me and tell me. And it's an Australian guy. Do you Remember I showed it to you before, and it starts off with a series of videos in, like, an underground car park and it's all poltergeist activity. And then whatever this thing is follows him home and he has, like, years of recorded poltergeist activity in his home in Australia. He also keeps birds and a lot of it is, like, banging doors. so He just leaves videos, like, recording through the house. And it's really quite, like, alarming. I remember it was on... Uh, they were disgusted on an episode of Factor Faked and then decided they weren't going to investigate it. But, yeah, there's a... Like, it is a a very common phenomenon, I think, within poltergeist cases, that cabinet's being opened and banging around. And obviously, there's that famous scene in Sixth Sense where he's at the kitchen table. Oh, I hate that scene so much.
1: Are they just looking for the utensils to make themselves some ghost dinner?
0: Or just looking for a snack?
1: Yeah. It's very rude to leave the cabinets open. I know I do it, but it's very rude to leave the cabinets open, poltergeist, if you're listening. So when you're looking for stuff, just make sure you close it after you finish, please.
0: Imagine if there were poltergeists listening and they're like, that's not how it happened at all. (laughs) Actually, that's not why I do that. How am I going to communicate this with you? I, you know, if there are, please reach out and contact us. Dan's like, please don't. why would you say that? That is
1: reckless behavior. Just like using a Ouija board. (laughs) I feel like that was a great segue to a PSA. Please, people. It's another, another story that I feel like this is just increasing the sensitivity of Jen's experience. It all started when I used a Ouija board. At least it was against her will this time.
0: Oh, yeah, that makes it way better that she was forced to use a Ouija board (laughs) against her will.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you know, like, don't just don't. Just stay away from them. If you own one, get rid of it. If you're thinking about making one, don't. Just stop.
0: I'm so glad that you're not on the Facebook super group because there's so many Ouija board related posts on the super group. It would just, I think your hair would fall out. I think you would just really stress out over it.
1: The other common theme with Jen's story, other than it all started with a Ouija board, is the fact that the sister is is quite responsible for Jen's paranormal experiences because she gets attacked in the tunnel. She brings the clown doll home She has a nice imaginary friend called Shadow who's really actually quite mean. And then Jen sees this creeper fellow with his travelling cloak.
0: I don't know if it's fair to blame Jen's sister. It's not like she sought out Shadow and was like, I know what's really going to traumatise my sister for life. An imaginary friend that's actually a paranormal entity.
1: I think you'll find I'm not actually blaming her. I'm just saying she's the common thread to these stories.
0: So in short, Jen... Get rid of your sister <laughs> and all of this will be okay. <laughs> Don't
1: get rid of her. That sounds quite mean. Just just keep in mind that she seems to be a beacon of paranormal activity.
0: And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can find everything you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can submit your own story to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon, that is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye!